commuter, welcome back. Hey, good news. In this episode, we do a lot less banter, but we still struggle with the ending. Take a listen. That was the end of the podcast. At no, least I'm wearing pants. You know what the end is? Thank goodness you were able to fill your time. Get it? <laughs> fill your time? Okay, we'll end it. I'm really here. glad you had to explain it because that made it way, way less funny banter we've ever had. You owe you owe Harold Bennett a huge apology. Uh, it's possible. Why is that? Why tell the commuter why that's necessary for the apology? What's going on, Phil? Um, yeah, talk to us. Uh, well, I'm using my Atari tonight to log on to the <laughs> podcast, so apparently. <laughs> Apparently that's a little outdated. I didn't know that. No, I had to do the old uh, restart. So uh, we're uh, fifteen, almost twenty minutes behind, mostly because of Phil unable to use technology uh, no, in, a, I, in a positive I'm so way. So sorry to prevent you from watching the fourth quarter of your favorite polo match, Peter. Can't even. Yeah, it's can't even, hate, it's only going to get worse. We talked about FICA, and we now know we how to spell FICA it. trees. FICA trees. Eight hundred and fifty species. That's fascinating. Um, um, how are you doing there, Phil? Uh, today's a good day. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Technology's working. Uh, yeah. I tried to pin the blame on my eighty-one-year-old uh, father. Not it's not his fault. Um, Write that so down. He 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 was doing fine. Um. Oh well. Uh. So what do you got? Are you want to be done with banter? You want to go right into it? I don't well, know, Chris. How what are you doing? What's up with uh, you? Uh, I haven't seen you guys for a while. It's been over a week. You're so sad. Over over a week? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, it's been good. We went to Miles, did a concerto competition again. Did great. Good Lord. It was fantastic. And then he ate a big steak, and that was fun. (laughs) No, to be young again. Yep, to be 17. beautiful. Yep. Uh, So that was a good time. Uh, Elliot played in uh, the seven eight All State Jazz Band. On oh, that's right. Saturday, yeah. Yep, with Ethan Fryer, wonderful trombone player. He was leading the band, and it was great. Did he show up on time? Yep. Okay, got it. <laughs> Good. He Good. did. Good. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I had yet more people announce to me that they listened to this podcast um, at the Southeastern um, MBDA. Honor band. Well, we all make choices. Yep, lots of people with way too much spare time. So, I love those people. Um, I'm thankful for those people. Yeah, I am too. You know, Phil when up. you say when you say time, you know that word time feels feels like I should have a stopwatch. Okay, you know. so uh, our guest, you guys familiar okay. with a stopwatch? Uh, uh, our guest uh, grew up on a dairy farm, and it, and it could be uh, that that dairy farm is in Wisconsin. Uh, the mystery guest was first-team all-conference high school basketball player. So, Chris, you have something in common, although you were never all-conference uh, basketball player. No. No. Uh, at all. No. Um, this person has performed with Marie Osmond, 
of Donnie and Marie fame. Uh, the yeah. Four Tops, Bob Newhart, Bobby Vinton. Oof. I think he's probably played with more people, too. Uh, this person uh, is a trumpet player. Yes, uh, they are. Yeah, we all make choices there, now, too. This person has degrees from Eau Claire and Madison. Both. This person uh, was the uh, band director at Stevens Point Area High School. This person briefly was a uh, band director at SUNY Fredonia and for many, many years now has been director of bands at Ohio State University, where he also conducts the Newark Granville Symphony Orchestra. Oh. This is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and this person has to reveal themselves now because it's Russ yeah, Mickelson. It's Russ Mickelson. Yeah. 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 Welcome, Russ. Welcome. Welcome. This technology. You've got problems. <laughs> Can you I, all hear me now? Can you oh, hear yeah. me, Phil? I can. I apologize, Russ. <laughs> well, we had a fun time solving that mystery. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We? Making it all the guests' fault, aren't you there, Philip? Oh, it's the trombone players. I um, love it. So, Russ, how have you dealt with technology struggles in your career? I'd really like to hear you talk about that for a little while. Well done. Well played. Patience, patience. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It's great to have you on. Welcome, Russ. Great to see you. Thank you. It's great to see all of you as well. Wow, Ohio um, State representing this this uh, season here. We had uh, Scott Jones on a little earlier as well. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, uh, I spoke briefly with Russ before this while I was having my technology meltdown. Uh, and <laughs> Russ, you've been uh, in classes for a couple weeks now. Is that true? Yes, this is uh, beginning week three tomorrow. Um, I've conducted three concerts already <laughs> in January. <laughs> wow. Uh, I was up in uh, Wisconsin the first weekend in January doing the St. Croix Valley That's Honor right. Band. So that, yeah. Which was uh, just a joy to come back. I had just been at the Cotton Bowl with the marching band, had a few days off after that debacle in Dallas. Um, and then, uh, flew to Minneapolis and, and really enjoyed my time, uh, at River Falls. Uh, and then our own honor band was this past weekend, which starts with a concert by the OSU wind symphony. So at the end of week one, we're doing a 45 minute concert for 275 high school students that are, uh, in our honor band. Uh, and then we spend the weekend uh, with three honor bands. Um, I do the top one of about 75. And then we have two groups of about 100 that are relatively equal ability, um, all rehearsing all weekend. And Sunday afternoon, uh, we, we do a concert with those three ensembles. Um, and in two weeks, I'll be conducting both my community band and uh, the OSU Wind Symphony at the Ohio uh, Music Education uh, associations, uh, state conference. So you're saying that's a relaxed spring. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, it's a pretty calm, slow start to the January season. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's a busy time. Well, you, that's, there, that's a lot of choices. I, uh, my, that honor bands early in the semester is, uh, well. yes, yes, it is. And, uh, at the beginning, um, you could tell the students were just a, a little bit, <laughs> dazed <laughs> but over the course of the two days we uh we got some energy going and they ended up doing a really nice job it was it was really fun 
What um, Russ, let, now, Phil, you've already blown this. Yeah, so no, you I'm just have a seat. So I, I'm out of questions now, probably for the You're rest of the hour. You're out of questions. So go ahead, You're Chris. Done. Yep, this that's is, fine. This is a good guess. So we're going to talk about stuff. Russ, talk about, let's talk about Honor Band just for a minute, though, because having hosted and, and worked with the State Honors Band a lot, it's always fascinating to me to watch the first like half hour because every person comes in and it's kind of like you can tell their philosophy on display. It's like, what are they doing that first half hour? What are some of the things that you're trying to get done right off the bat with students you don't know? Boy, this is, uh, this. you've put your finger on it, Chris. Um, uh, to me, I'm trying to very quickly create a relationship. Uh, trying to set some expectations. Um, we always start out, believe it or not, with the most creative, uh, you know, warm up that I can do the B flat scale. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Never heard of it. And I, and I usually stop about the eighth note of the B flat scale and I ask the question, why do you think we're doing this? <laughs> and then you get to do it again. I, I said, do you think it's because I don't think you know the B flat scale? <laughs> Uh, and then we get some interesting dialogue. Well, we're, we're listening, which is a great answer, of course. And then I, of course that begs the question, what are you listening to? What are you listening for? What are we trying to achieve during this time? Uh, so immediately what we're trying to do is create a relationship and create expectations that, okay, we're listening to one another. We're trying to, we're almost all first chairs in our schools at home but we can't all play like that anymore. We have to all play together. We got to play nice in the sandbox um, and really get them to be listening for intonation and blend and tone quality, uh, all these types of things. And then usually that makes its way. I do a a very simple thing. I go up the the scale and then I say, okay, if you're a first part, I want you to stop and sustain the seventh scale degree. If you play a second part, stop and sustain the fifth scale degree. If you play a third part, stop and sustain the fourth scale degree. And if you play a bass instrument or a fourth part, stop and sustain the second scale degree, which of course gets us a nice dominant seven chord, which is always out of tune um, (laughs) because the third isn't low enough and the seventh isn't low enough, but I don't bug them yet about that. The next thing I do is say, okay, that, that note wants to go somewhere. That chord wants to go somewhere you're going to resolve it by ear. You can go up a note in the scale, down a note in the scale, or stay the same. And then I give the downbeat and pray, and occasionally we'll get a sixth chord in which (laughs) the fifth will go go up. up. But eventually they find it. Um, And then we do that in a variety of keys, uh, usually related to the instrument, the pieces that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And if, if it's, and it often is the case, if there are some minor keys, we will do the relative natural minor, and I'll get them kind of explaining about that. For instance, at the St. Croix Valley uh, uh, Honor Band, I did the Boyson Fantasy on a Theme by Sousa. Well, that piece is an E-flat major until it's not, and when it's not, it goes to the relative C minor. So we've done this in the warm-up already in a variety of keys. And when we get to that moment in the piece, then I ask them to transfer that knowledge that we did in the warm-up to the piece that we're doing. You're telling me it changed keys, but the key signature didn't change? Explain that to me. Uh, so we're, we're bringing in theory and understanding of what's going on in the piece. And all of this 
believe it or not, gets them engaged in ways that me just standing up there and saying, do it this way, do it this way, it gets them uh, buying into the music in ways that uh, are much more engaging to them. And then we, we get this relationship established. And it really all starts with those first few moments, that first half hour, Chris, as you said. Um, when I conduct in Wisconsin, I usually talk about a, a little bit about my roots and how it's great to be back home um, and how wonderful it is to be a musician, how lucky we are to, to be making music and uh, you know, never take that kind of thing for granted and then into the playing. Um, so th this is, this type of thing has worked for me. Um, and I've done a ton of these, of course, over the years, but this type of thing tends to create the relationship pretty quickly and opening the dialogue so that it's not always one way. It's not always conductor to student, but the students can be engaged as well. Um, it, it's, I enjoy teaching like that. And as, uh, uh, those of you on the screen know, um, a lot of this comes straight from my training in the CM, Wisconsin CMP model. I, I chaired that for a few years um, after I was on the committee and before I left the state to go to New York and, and teach at the university level. But I still believe strongly in, in comprehensive musicianship through performance and rehearsal. And uh, in fact, even in my graduate conducting seminar, I usually take a week or two to discuss that Wisconsin model. Um, and they always find it quite fascinating. And I love talking about it and watching them start to incorporate those ideas into their teaching. Isn't that crazy? I mean, a lot of us kind of find your way around to that type of stuff eventually, but it's just been laid out so effortlessly. And I was like, I've been thinking, there it is. Who I should have. We're not ready for you yet, Phil. Oh, no. So, Russ, uh, you talked about <laughs> Wisconsin in your in your beginnings. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that, where you grew up and uh, a lot of time in the state, teaching at the high school? Love yeah. to hear more about that. So I, I became a trumpet player by accident. My Me older too. brother, my older <laughs> brother um, was a frustrated <laughs> cornetist. Um, I think he quit maybe partway through high school. So this cornet was laying around the house and I could tell that just picking up and playing it, that I had a better tone than he did. Um, <laughs> so that's just, that's just a gift. Um, so by the time I took my first lessons, I was already kind of far along uh, in just playing the instrument. And so I grew up in a, on a dairy farm and a tiny little uh, DeSoto high school uh, band was maybe 50 on a good year. Um, but I had a good teacher. His name was Gary Weezy, who was a trombonist. Uh, and I, he introduced me when I was in seventh grade to Maynard Ferguson albums. And I started <laughs> copying what was on there and learned that I could play really high like Maynard did. Um, that got me a scholarship to Eau Claire, uh, played lead in the jazz ensemble for most of my time there. Um, and then uh, you know, I always wanted to be either a high school band director or um, play with Maynard's band or Kenton's band or something like that. So my first teaching job was at back in my home area at tiny little Kickapoo High School in Viola, Wisconsin. I had a band of 27 students. I was teaching five through 12. Uh, you just do it all in a little community like that. I only had taught there one year before 
uh, a guy that I had met a couple of times, named Dave Kiepert, uh, called me and said, hey, we've got this job open at Stevens Point High School. I'd like you to apply. And I said, I saw that job opening, but it was it was asking for five years of teaching experience and a master's degree. I've got one and not a credit toward my master's degree. And he said, apply anyway. And I got the job. Uh, and as you know, Stevens Point High School is a large high school. At that time, uh, 1,800 students, 10 through 12, three-year high school. And that changed everything, uh, being in charge of a program like that. Uh, and Dave Kiepert and I became very close. Uh, God rest his soul. He was uh, the jazz director district-wide. Um, and interestingly enough, he told me later, uh, when I was student teaching at Oliva Strum, uh, Dave Mueller gave me the top jazz band for the state solo ensemble contest. Well... First of all, let me just say, I love and respect Dave Mueller like crazy, but there were just a few little rhythmic things that weren't right in the pieces that he had been doing at the jazz festivals. So when he gave me the band to take to the state solo ensemble, I corrected those things. And the adjudicator at the state solo ensemble was one Dave Kiepert. (laughs) (laughs) And he told me, he said, I saw that you had fixed those things because I heard the Levastrom jazz band at you know, the lacrosse festival and the Eau Claire festival. And suddenly I hear them at the state solo ensemble and these things are fixed. And it was that, that got him to call me and say, I think I'd like you to be my colleague at Stevens point high school. So you just never know what's going to happen. I I love that. I love that. Uh, I I want you to keep going, but I love people are always asking now, like, well, what do I have to do? How long should I teach? And like, what do I do? So I'm just, I just go, be the best teacher you can be for your students, make great music, learn who they are, love them, teach them, make them grow, and it'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. That's uh. exactly right. And um, you know what? The students at little tiny Kickapoo High School and Kickapoo Elementary School and Middle School deserved great teaching. That's right. Uh, I tell my own students that um, you teach great where you are, People will notice and your career will progress naturally from there. Mm -hmm. Don't try to force it. Uh, You've got to do the job where you are. Um, You know, usually when your band isn't good, you can blame it on a whole bunch of other things, but you just got to look in the mirror first and say, my band isn't good because there are things that I can do that are going to make it better in spite of the other things that might be going on. And uh, look, I think if you're a teacher, you love teaching and you're going to do it wherever you are and you're going to do it well and realize that you're teaching human beings. And if, if you're excited about the subject matter, they're going to get excited about it too. Absolutely. Uh, so, music, so Stevens point, how long were you at Stevens point? I was at Stevens point six years. So I taught public school for seven and I tell my music education students, I'm not on the music education faculty, but they know that I taught and I have a heart for it. Um, I've never understood the music education major that says, okay, I've put in my six semesters of ensembles. I'm done playing now. I've never understood that. Um, the easiest way in the world that I was able to get kids excited about what I was doing and what I wanted them to be excited about 
was to play my instrument for them. And they say, I want to do that. I want to sound like that. And I want that kind of joy in what I do. And the other way was to take an interest in what they're interested in. I'll give you one little story. When I was at Stevens Point High School, I taught all the brass lessons. We had short 15-minute lessons. Uh, Once a week, I taught all the brass. Dave Keeper taught all the woodwinds. I also tried to do percussion, but not very well. And there was my principal trombone in my top band was a star on the women's basketball team. And our pet band had played and that particular game, she missed a couple of free throws at the end of the game and they lost. So when she, when she came into her next lesson, I could tell she was kind of bumming. I said, Paula, what's up? She said, uh, I just can't hit my free throws. Uh, I said, you know, I can help you with that. And she, she was like, what? I said, well, let's just, let's go down to the gym sometime. And I'll show you, I'll give you some tips about shooting free throws. Cause I was pretty good at it when I was a high school player. Um, And I gave her some tips and she started shooting free throws better. And you know what? That moment when I, when I demonstrated to her that I was interested in her as a person and what she was interested in, suddenly she also became interested in what I was interested in. She was a better band member, a better practicer. In fact, she went to Luther on a basketball scholarship and played in Fred Nyleen's band in college. Um, So, that meeting them where they are kind of thing that that's that's really a thing that's uh, fantastic phil. yep phil uh thanks for allowing me to speak again yep. it's nice to be back on the podcast <laughs> just just for a moment um i don't have anything pertinent to say don't worry if you wait longer um, i'm going to start asking the next question <laughs> no i can i can find something to move to next but what i was my smart alchemy comment was going to be you left uh you know the cmp in such great state uh you know in such a great state when you um moved on to the next thing i guess back to back to school um, but i don't know what chris did with it since then i'm not really <laughs> sure yeah they, they renamed Insert it crickets here in the uh P- in pmc the yeah it's, it's it's done yeah um <laughs> i guess uh, i mean it's uh, i'm gonna ask just ask a short question about uh, something that you mentioned in the middle of your background which was when you work with Dave Mueller at Oliva Strum, I've heard you talk about Dave before and I know him and uh, I just think he's wonderful, but I guess the question ties into the aspect of how you, the relationship you had with him, which is as a mentor. And I'm wondering what, first of all, what you think about mentorship and two, you know, how Dave might have might or might not have been a mentor for you at that yeah. time period. Well, it's interesting because the mentorship actually happened when I was a high school student. Um, he heard, uh, the DeSoto High School Jazz Ensemble, of which I was playing lead trumpet, um, at the Lacrosse Jazz Festival. And Dave, being a Dominic Sparrow student and a trumpet player himself, came up and introduced himself and told me how much he liked my playing and asked me where I was thinking about going to school, that kind of thing. And of course, I ended up at Eau Claire. Um, he then, I think I must have been no more than a sophomore or a junior had me down to, to Oliva Strum to play a solo number with his jazz ensemble. And we just continued this kind of very congenial relationship 
And uh, I said, you know, Dave, I'd really love to student teach with you. He said, I'd love to have you student teach with me. And uh, that happened. And I think what, from a mentorship standpoint, that semester was just huge for me because it was a program similar to the way I grew up in a relatively rural area. And Dave was one of maybe one and a half band directors at Oliva Strum, but he had this smoking program going. Um, so I got to teach middle school, high school. He allowed me to conduct a number at, at, uh, at the large group festival, which for a student teacher, I think is probably unheard of. He just gave me so many opportunities and he, and he was uh, supportive, but also saying, you might want to think about things this way or that way. Um, we talked a lot about different programs around the state and how to approach them. He came down and worked with my Kickapoo High School band in the first semester uh, that I taught there. Um, so, he, I mean, he has been a mentor beyond that student teaching semester as well. When I was at Fredonia, I had we I started a summer band camp, and part of that band camp was not just concert band, but also jazz ensemble. So I had Dave out to New York to come and conduct the jazz ensemble um, that week. So I mean, it's just this this constant, mutually um, beneficial kind of relationship that happened. And do you use that same model today with your students that you work with? Well, I don't supervise student teachers, but I certainly do teach graduate conductors. So there's a lot of that kind of thing uh, that continues to happen. Um, you know, my grad students are constantly on the podium with our groups. I think some of my colleagues are around the Big Ten are surprised how much podium time with the top group uh, my students get. But I just don't think you can learn how to teach and conduct unless you stand on the box and teach and conduct. I, I also think that we, just if I can just shift a little bit toward what goes on at Ohio State with, with the graduate program in conducting, I think so strongly that if you're, most of my doctoral students are headed to, toward university positions. That's what they're hoping to get. And I'm very proud of the fact that in my 26th year all of my doctoral students have gotten university positions right out of the gate. Uh, so I'm very proud of that fact that they've been employed. Um, not everybody is. Uh, a lot of my master's students have gone on to other doctoral programs or to other um, teaching positions in the public schools. But our program is set up such that it's a very broad-based program. Yes, it's a conducting degree, and we spend a lot of time and effort in getting them to conduct and teach better. But as a GTA, they're also GTAing with our marching band. And I require them to take drill writing lessons with Chris Hoke, who's uh, one of my former students who's director of the marching band. They're running sectionals for the marching band. They're on the ladder at the halftime shows and pregames. They're running pep bands for volleyball and basketball and uh, Olympic sports. So they're coming out of our program. For instance, uh, this past fall, my third year doctoral student had written the entire halftime show for the Maryland game. 
Well, the only reason that he could do that was because he had, I required him to take drill riding lessons with, with Dr. Hoke, who to me is one of the best drill riders and show designers uh, of college marching band halftime shows in the country. So creative. Um, so they learn from him. They'll submit something to him and then he will say, okay, let me show you why what I'm going to do is better. And they learn so much from that, that process. And they'll start by doing just a little bit of a pregame show. And by the time they're in their third year, they're writing full-fledged halftime shows. So think about that from a, a job perspective. Uh, when the jobs come open, you can apply for a DOB job at a liberal arts school. You can apply for a DOB job where you're doing both marching band, pep, and 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 wind ensemble conducting. Uh, if you're a DOB and you get a, a fortunate, you're fortunate enough to get a position like that, and you have a colleague who's doing the marching band. Now at least you understand what that person's yeah. doing. You're and a real what colleague it takes to do that. Yeah. So Phil I think it's cur- like that too. He's an SOB, but it's <laughs> not. Is that the same? It's not. No, a little different. Kind of. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Taking notes. Yeah. I, I just think that that kind of experience, it prepares them for what the job market is <laughs> and not what they hope it would be. Uh, I think they're very broad based and, and they can apply for jobs and they've got video to back up their drill writing and uh, they've got video to back up their conducting, et cetera. Oh, it's brilliant though. I mean, but you're taking an educator mindset and you're preparing people for what's out there. I mean, and, and making sure that they have all those opportunities. That's fascinating. And hey, part of that's mentorship. Leave- I mean, part of that's just mentorship of knowing what that job market is so that your students, it's, you know. Anyway, um, hey, nope, not, not yet. You're still back on timeout. Hey, okay. you were talking about DeSoto. So DeSoto was your hometown? Uh, that's where I went to high school. I actually grew up uh, on a farm uh, south of just south of Ferryville, Wisconsin, which at least used to have the, uh, the the moniker the longest one street town in the United States. Yeah, because so my- the hills come right down to the river and highway, and then it's the river. So there's really only one street. You're going to love this. So my wife's grandparents owned a little cottage in Ferryville. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right where the speed limit changes. I mean, what? There's only, you know, there's like a little downtown thing, but like we, so I've been to Ferryville so many times. So are you oh a river? Gosh. Are you a river guy? Are you I'm out a on river the- rat? Well, no, um, that was kind of, I'm, I, I mean, we were so busy on the farm. We never had time to go out in the That's boat, true. but um, my father didn't fish. Um, I hunted a bit as a kid, but I don't do that anymore. Uh on rare occasion, I would go out with some of my high school friends on the river, and we'd go out to the sandbars and do a little water skiing on the river, that kind of thing. Ever been to Horse Falls in Lansing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's where you can get your river rat shirt. Hey, and one more question, because these two guys have no idea what I'm talking about. Gays, Mills, Mills Apples. anybody else. Gays, Mills, Apples. Yes, well, See? my uh, mother grew up in Gays, Mills. My See? grandparents on her side. It's beautiful country, guys. You really should go. It is. Those hills. I mean, it is. It is gorgeous. So It really is. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, I think we've pretty much made it through the entire geography of Wisconsin at this point. So <laughs> if there's any other places that you want to cover where the Packers haven't lost, um, you 
let me let me know uh, too soon. <laughs> okay, too, too soon. soon. Sorry, too soon. Um, Rust, you probably can imagine this, but a, a fair amount of the people that listen to this podcast are current teachers, band directors um, that are um, just uh, tuning in to get get a little respite. I think from their daily grind, um, and so I think. Um, this is a broad question and you can tackle it however you wish, but people who are out teaching right now and you have faced in your career as well, um, times of transition where you're moving from one job to the next, where you're starting a new gig, where something has changed in your gig and made the teaching responsibilities dramatically different. And I'm wondering if you can sort of speak to transition in general and how you've handled it in the past, maybe both poorly and positively. Uh, and maybe you can add, add something on that. Yeah. Um, I got worse at it the longer I did it, which which is really unfortunate. Um, It was quite easy younger in my career. I don't know why early in my career, but um, going to Stephen's point felt really natural. I had a very quick uh, relationship with the students. Um, I remember the issue there was that the principal wanted more marching band at the football games and things. They basically wanted us to be the Badger band. Um, And there was kind of a pushback among some of the music administration that, you know, we have got serious work to do. And I I was pretty good at being able to kind of uh, make both camps happy by doing high level wind ensemble, but also providing some of the service things that our principal wanted. And by the end of my time at Stevens Point, our principal was telling parents, well, look, the marching band's not going to be at the Plover Potato Parade because after football season, there are these things that they need to handle curriculum wise. And I was like, whoa, where did you come from? So you get the principal on your side with, you know, giving a little. And I think that maybe there's a lesson there. Um, Fredonia was easy uh, coming off my doctoral program. That one of the most difficult transitions was coming to Ohio State. And I think because my previous uh, positions, it had just been so natural coming in that um, if I were to do it again at Ohio State, I think I would be more patient with uh, taking the time to figure out how to how I can little by little make the program what I wanted it to be. Uh, Because when I walked in, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I think I was very very impatient um, in how I dealt with that. And in some cases, a little bit heavy-handed, which is really not in my personality. But I didn't want people at this new school to think that I was a wimp or that I was a pushover. And uh, there were just things about the program that, made me scratch my head. It's like, why are you doing it this way? Um, And what I should have said is I should have just kept my mouth shut, kept my head down, taught my tail off, and then little by little made some changes. Unfortunately, that's not what I did. And at the end of the first year, I thought, okay, something's got to change or I need to get out of here. And um, so I did a, a lot of soul searching uh, after the first year at Ohio State to figure out, okay, what do I need to do differently? And what can I do better? What can I do that's going to uh, invigorate my students? In fact, I just 
one of the things that I did was I decided we're going to do a CD project. We're going to we're going to rally around making a a commercially available CD. And I just, I kid you not, got an email today from a student who played for me in that band who's going to be making a presentation at the OMEA coming up in a couple of weeks. She's from Colorado. And she said, hey, I'm really looking forward to hearing the Wind Symphony. And I just want you to know one of the most, I'm glad you're doing Colonial Song on the, on the performance because recording Colonial Song on that CD was one of my most uh, favorite memories of my time at Ohio State. And that was one of the pieces we recorded on that disc. So mm. to get some validation 25 years later, you know, sometimes it takes a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Phil's still waiting. He's, he's still working on it. You know, it's it, it really, when the transition is hard, you've just got to be patient and focus on uh, making music and focus on the students and making those changes little by little. Um, you can wait it out. And as people begin to trust you as the administration and your faculty begin to trust you, you can make those kinds of changes, I think, much more easily. I was just young and impatient at that point in my career. I don't know why I wish I could do it over again. I'm old and impatient still, so. <laughs> Older, faster. So typically um, at around this point in the podcast, um, Chris will do something terrible and uh, uh, basically he'll take you through a speed round. So I'm going to prevent that from happening. Um, and we're going to do uh, just uh, some quick, you can still do a speed round, Chris, if you have to. Do you have okay. a, what would uh, Peter and Phil do? No, I don't. I don't. We're just going to have a couple, you know, very quick. Uh, there's only six or seven of them. Uh, and you just, it can be a one word answer. It could be a little bit longer if, if you wish. Um, but okay. you have to, uh, it's called favorites. So uh, question number one here is favorite conductor. Sir Simon Rattle. Great. Mm. Favorite sports team. Green Bay Packers. Go Pack, go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fine. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's Too backtrack soon? here. Favorite basketball team. Milwaukee Bucks. There we go. Uh, mm -hmm. we, um, let's see. Favorite morning beverage. <laughs> this is so boring. Water. Oh God. Um, <laughs> we can okay. cut that. Poor, we can cut poor, that. Poor, 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 <laughs> poor Peter. He, Peter. Peter just uh, died a little. Um, yeah. Favorite Six shots of espresso every day. <laughs> Favorite Brahms symphony. Four. Just conducted. Oh, love it. E minor. Uh, favorite Tchaikovsky symphony. Also four. Ooh, correct. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, favorite player, musician, uh, or favorite type of musician to sit next to in an ensemble. Uh, He's now gone, um, but his name was uh, Vladimir Mendelssohn, uh, a descendant, believe it or not, of Felix Mendelssohn, who I met uh, in a little chamber uh, festival in Italy, Cividale, Italy. He was the chamber music coach for the Paris Conservatory, a violist and a chamber coach. This guy was unbelievable. Watching him play in a string quartet was a thing of beauty. A violist. Vladimir Mendelssohn. Oh, right. he died of uh, a cancer, unfortunately. But I had breakfast with him most mornings um, when I was at this festival. And watching him coach my students in solo and 
and uh, small chamber ensembles and then watching him perform. It was remarkable. Um, He drank water too. He did. <laughs> I can tell. Okay. Uh, grand finale here. A uh, favorite time of day. Uh, what Sheldon Cooper on the Big Bang Theory would call pre-evening. Like that. Um, so, Russ, you need to know that we had Phil's dad on the show a while ago, and he was the dean at uh, Ithaca for a long time. Right. And uh, um, he gave us some good critiques on our uh, podcast of things that we could do better, uh, which <laughs> the degree of pertinent information would be increased by, by, you know, uh, preparing questions in the, in the best possible way. Very, very Dean like in his response, but um, I'm proud of his son, Phil. I, these, we should pass these along to Chris. These are very good speed round questions to be, um, to help get rid of maybe call through some of the ones that, that You're not as funny as what you think you are. <laughs> yes, that's also um, true. No, okay, also now true. we played Chris, what, what your favorites you like are. Favorite, no, 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 favorite no. brought first. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we played the what are your favorites. Now we're going to play what are your least favorites. Here we go. Oh, least gosh. favorite month. <laughs> least favorite month? Yep. Sounds like January. Uh, January. It's busy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like January gets <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> least favorite food. Uh, sauerkraut. Oh, here, here. That's it. Least favorite breakfast item. That is a great question. Uh, grits. Yeah. Grits. Oh, grits. Okay. Least favorite movie genre. Rom-com. He <laughs> 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 just slayed the rom-coms. Horror films? No, no, they're great. Rom-coms? Fine. <laughs> worst. <laughs> Okay, Chris, oh, you only get one more. Make it really good. No, 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 no. Two more. Just give me two. <sighs> Least he, favorite Disney character. Editor. Wait, say it again. Least favorite Disney character. Gosh, Chris. Uh, it's a good one. No. Maleficent. Mm, nice. And least favorite host of this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not uh, fair. Well... <laughs> Wait, we can do one more favorite, and that is a favorite moment that you had uh, in a lesson with Erica Sfano, who is your student and has been on the podcast and uh, is wonderful. And we all, all four of us, uh, think the world of that composer and musician. So I'm wondering if you have a favorite moment about Erica. Uh, I was working on the fifth movement of Lincolnshire Posey with Erica. It opens with the free time, of course, but there is also in the free time, Granger uses a bracket over three of the notes for to make them a triplet. Ding tom 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 dee pa pam pam. But a lot of times, people don't change the rhythm at that triplet moment. They go ding dong dong dum 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 bum bum. Now it's free time, but there's still a relationship, it seems to me, between the quarter and the triplet. And when I brought that to Eric's Erica's attention, she just said, You just blew my mind. She, <laughs> it, it, she, <laughs> I've always heard it this way. I never questioned it. I just did it the way that I heard it, and now. It, it was just one of those moments where she was just, it's like I had just told her her 
her dog died or something. I don't know. It was, uh, it was just a moment that I will never forget because it was such a, a mind-blowing experience for her. It's like there are certain things that you j- in life that you just know are to be true, and then suddenly for her it wasn't true anymore. That's right. uh, so that was a moment uh, that I will never forget. <laughs> She's wonderful. She is that. Yes. Let's, Love her. The By truth. the way, um, I, I assume that all three of you are familiar with my pseudonym today. Or maybe you're not. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I thought so, the, the bandos would. Uh, I don't think would... Phil is, but uh, I, I, Phil, oh, okay. can you name it? March from by Harold Bennett. Oh. Oh, you're stumping me. That's not Military good. Escort, one of, those, yeah. one of the big ones. So Harold Bennett, Bennett was one of the pseudonyms that Henry Fillmore used. Yes. Yeah. So Fillmore and Fillmore was born in Ohio. So I thought that was maybe a, an appropriate pseudonym for me. He used uh, others too. Gus Beans was another one. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Henrietta Moore. And I think they had something to do with the difficulty of mm-hmm. the pieces too. Um, yeah, because young band pieces have a lot of Harold Bennett. Yes, exactly. Yep. So. Yeah. I thought that might be appropriate. Today. That's interesting. I always thought it was be- like, you can hear a Fillmore March and you know, it's a Fillmore March, but when he wrote kind of, I thought in a different style, but maybe that's exactly what it was. It was the difficulty level that he was writing. It was certainly that. And he, he also didn't want to, what I've read is that he didn't want to flood the market with just his own compositions. He thought it would be better if maybe he used these pseudonyms. Hmm. Uh, the, he only ran into problems once he used Will Huff. And when he moved to Florida, there was another Will Huff who was a composer of band music. So that that created a little bit of an issue, but that was the only time. Hmm. Yeah. And Peter, so, you decided to use the name Phil tonight. Let's 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 I dive into that. that. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, I knew it was his guest, so I thought I would make it as uncomfortable as possible for Phil. I thought you were when it's your guest. Last time it was your guest, I I came in as Chris, so I figured I'm already genuinely an uncomfortable person. So you're just that's right. (laughs) Make it Uh, even worse. I mean, what are friends for? If I can't make, if I can't help make this uncomfortable for Phil, I have not done my job today. It's true. Uh, He is the trombone player on this on the uh, on the podcast right now. So, Uh, so I have one more question for Russ, and um, will it ever stop? And it's not well prepared. It's going to be inarticulate. So just brace yourself now. Run on. Here we go. (laughs) That's right. No, um, Russ, uh, this is a question veiled in a compliment in that uh, you've been uh, out to Eau Claire now to work with the bands, and I've seen you rehearse and conduct. uh, And I can list off all the things that I just love about your teaching. Um, First and foremost, you are so warm um, with students, and they instantly feel um, comfortable and invited to perform and uh, challenged but not exposed uh, uh, and treated fairly um, every time you conduct. But I've also noticed that you're really prepared so you know exactly what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, or, uh, or at least have a plan, and that you seem to be... You should take note of that. Yep, write that uh, down. Don't, don't worry. I don't do any of these things well. Um, uh, and you also seem to me to be very organized. And I'm wondering if, you know, all these great attributes were something that came naturally for you or you had to work at one of them. Yeah, I've been asked many times if I have a type A personality. And the answer is no. Um, yeah, I, I, I do not. I do. 
I mean, I learned a work ethic growing up on a dairy farm. I mean, there are no days off on a dairy farm. Mm -hmm. Christmas Day, the cows still have to be fed. They have to be milked twice. You just, you learn, uh, I think, from that. But I have had to learn as, especially when I became a band director, and I credit Dave Mueller with some of this as well, that it's not enough to communicate. You have to communicate far enough in advance so that if something goes wrong, you can fix it. Um, especially if there are other people that are counting on you that you need to do things, uh, you've got to communicate them so to them so they have time to do the things that they need to do. So I've just learned, I think, by not doing that well at the very beginning of my career that I just, I needed to get better at that. And the bigger the job has become, the more I see the value in that. Um, <laughs> I remember <clears throat> we were on the bus with the marching band to go up to Michigan State, and uh, John Madden had asked me to conduct America the Beautiful, an arrangement of America the Beautiful with the Michigan State and Ohio State bands at halftime of that, that uh, event. And on the way up, I was studying the score to America the Beautiful. And my grad students are looking at me, said, they're, they're like, pss, pss, look at this guy. He's studying a marching band arrangement of America the Beautiful. And I said, well, of course I am. I mean, you don't come into these things unprepared. You just don't. Um, if you're going to expect your students to come in prepared, you have to be prepared. And I've also realized that the more I study, the more I, I know about the music, the more I have to share. Um, I hear things better. I, I'm more easily able to pinpoint the things that are going to make the band sound better. Um, it's one of those moments where my band doesn't sound good. I need to look in the mirror. I need to, I need to figure out what I need to do. And I, I am a score study fiend. There's no doubt about it. And so I've had to become that, though, uh, in answer to your question. I, I don't do that naturally. Uh, I conduct a community band. I conduct a professional orchestra with a six-concert season. Uh, the Wind Symphony and my guest conducting, I have to juggle all those things. And my orchestra in particular, I mean, I don't have a career of repertoire that I can just pull off the shelf and say, oh, sure, I'm going to conduct this piece. Every piece is a heavy lift, practically, because I just haven't been doing orchestra long enough. Um, the first time I conducted the Newark Granville Symphony, they invited me to do a a, a guest shot uh, fall of 2015. And then they asked me if I would be interested in their putting my name in the hat for their position. So then there was a year and a half search. So I've been conducting orchestra now on, mostly on since 2015. But that's allowed me to do Brahms 4 and Beethoven 7, 4, and 1, Symphony Fantastique, uh, Prelude to Afternoon of a Fawn, um, I mean, Rachmaninoff, I mean, on and on and on it goes. And what a thrill this has been at my this point in my career uh, to conduct that music. Um, but the, the score study is a heavy, heavy lift. I'm doing Sweet from Pulcinella in uh, the middle of March, the Haydn Trump Concerto, Beethoven 1. Um, 
never thought that I would be doing that. But uh, when you only have four rehearsals at the most to get Brahms four ready with professionals, boy, you better be ready. <laughs> so that's right. I've, Did I've you just hear that, figured Phil? it out. Look, oh, I've, stu- I've studied the second trombone part to all that music. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Yeah, the prelude to that from the font, second trombone part, really easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> they all leave. He's still sitting there. i just waiting for the part. i just waiting for the part. Yeah. Um, it's called the second half. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's right. Well, Russ, I'd like to just add uh, some other words uh, to Phil's conversation. Authentic. You're unbelievably authentic, and that comes across on the podium and in conversations. And uh, for somebody who's as gifted and as famous in terms of just having all the opportunities as a great musician and leader, uh, you're very just sincere with every person you meet doesn't matter if they're the high school teacher, the middle school teacher in DeSoto or wherever they're at. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't, won't give, not the time of day, but you know what I mean? They just don't have that same kind of time and uh, you, you don't get paid for that. And that's pretty amazing. That resonates just as well as coming prepared and resonates just as well as doing the best thing for your students. It's just being a good person. So really glad you're on the podcast with us so sorry you had to talk extra with phil and he doesn't know about his technology and makes it your fault but really appreciate it <laughs> spending sunday with you it's great i i yeah. appreciate that very much um you know they talk about minnesota nice and i think that that goes across the border to wisconsin as well and i i'm just grateful for you know parents who love me and and pointed me in the right direction and grandparents that did the same and uh, appreciative of that. And I just watched a, a, a PBS documentary on Meredith Wilson, which might be on, on. And there's a man who also never forgot where he came from Mason city, Iowa. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's something about remembering your roots and treating people well, um, expecting a lot of them, but at the same time, treating them well and encouraging them when you can. Uh, so, I mean, that's how I'm wired and uh, I, I can't be a different person on the podium. I just can't. Nope. Thank God. No, and, and, you know, Wisconsin, uh, you are a treasure, you know, to, I mean, Wisconsin obviously is home, but you mean a lot to a lot of people here. And I know, especially those folks that are teaching right now in Wisconsin, those small little communities, you know, that are out there, Kickapoo and, I mean, Ashland, I mean, way out, uh, Butternut, shout out oh, to yeah, Butternut. Right. <laughs> but, but I even like, you know, you're up in St. Croix Valley. I mean, and you right. feel, those teachers feel isolated, but the, you know, what you have done is, you know, you've, what you've said tonight too, is really um, so many important things. And, and the idea of mentorship and reaching out and connecting with your colleagues and making sure that you're you're reaching out and using the treasures that you have, which are these universities and so on. So um, thanks for everything that you continue to do and everything that you've done. And as uh, Jerry Young would say, it's not where you are, it's who you are. And <laughs> you are amazing. I appreciate that. I, I have to just say one more thing. Talking about our high school honor band weekend, one of the things that I do we it's a it's a director nomination uh, type of situation. 
and they have to rank their nominations. They can nominate as many as 20. Um, I try to take everybody's number one. So it doesn't matter if they come from a small rural school or an urban high school. And I hate to stereotype, but many in many cases, students from those schools are not going to play as well as the number 20 from a higher level suburban school. That's right. But it's important to me that students in those settings get this opportunity to come and be with people of like interests. And they come to Ohio State for that weekend and suddenly they're not the band geek anymore. They are with people who also love band. And it's it's a really exciting thing actually to see that happen with those students and their jaws are on the floor. And, and I explained to my studio teachers, look, some of these kids aren't going to play fantastic. That's okay. You're just going to help them by inspiring them and giving them some information. And we will have plenty of the all staters in my group, but uh, this is an important thing. And I was lucky enough to play in the Wisconsin all state when I was a a young kid and Dr. Fennell was, was my conductor, <laughs> but I had to earn my way in just by the audition. Okay. Um, even though I came from that tiny little school. So I just, I still have a heart for the, the rural kid, but also that suburban kid that doesn't have all the advantages of, of, uh, of the, the people at the Mason high schools and the Lakota Wests and the, you know, the big yeah. schools in Columbus, um, I, I just have a heart for those kids who might love music, but maybe don't have all the advantages. Everybody needs a shot. Absolutely. Even Phil. Phil. <laughs> uh, Russ, thank you for doing this and staying up an hour later than all of us. Uh, Russ is on <laughs> East Coast time. Um, so I'm grateful. And thanks for staying up a little bit late for um, this. My pleasure. Go Bugolts. Nice work, Philip. Yeah. Nice I give job, you crap bro. all the time, but good choice. Uh, and he, uh, he, choice. Re- he responded to you. I'm impressive. Let's just point out the fact that he was doing us a favor. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially you. Yes, it was great. Uh, he's a busy guy. And for him to take an hour out late at night where I know he's got a million things he's got to do, um, that was really kind of him to do. But he has a big heart. Just a huge heart. Oh, man. Is he Chris, good. you can take a lesson from that. I, I wrote notes. I took notes. So yeah. Big yeah. heart. Big heart. Supposed to actually listen. You see. Oh, whoops. Uh, he all until he said Milwaukee Bucks. Chris was asleep. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that part got me going. Um, no, he's a he's a brilliant educator, and just you know, you can just see the roots, you know, of what you know. All those Wisconsin teachers out there, did, I know. I'm sorry, are, did you say roots or or roots? Roots. No, 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 no. Roots. No, it's roots. Peter. Uh, I got a place to be. <laughs> uh, not before we do. Wait, uh, what would Peter and Phil do? We're getting it in. I don't care. Uh, here it is. If you could be a character from any movie, who would it be and why? Yeah, the movie Roots. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> You're just an idiot. But well played. That was good. That's uh, character from any movie. Amen. Preach. <laughs> I think I would be Fletch. 
<laughs> I think I am Fletch pledged. Is good. Um, Fletch is good. Part of me wants to be like like Russell Crowe in Gladiator, but then also part of me wants to be like the beautiful mind guy, like had the math thing, like was always like, I, I don't need to be like, he like just did so much good for the world, but like, you know, that's just a feel good story. And it's not a nice. rom-com, so that's good. Yeah, that was nice. Chris, okay. who would you who would you be? Uh, I would be Reacher, Apple TV. Great series. A lot of killing. Sorry, Ted kids. Ted Lasso. But, Ted Lasso. No, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I got his book. It's not that good. Um, no, Reacher. He's big. He's strong. He's tough. He can play for the Packers. Anyway, you you blew out your knee walking to the refrigerator. I did. It did, but it was a good sandwich. Um, what um, can we? Can I put out an advertisement to the podcast? Look, we, narrowed uh, the banter. we narrowed the banter at the beginning. Can no, we? I just, people um, will be I'm, really I'm, excited by that part. I've got a, I've got a job opening for permanent technology help for uh, Ostrander. Oh God, that's um, so that's a impossible job. Anybody who's with. interested in that position, I'm accepting resumes and applications. Um, by the way, you can never get a doctorate at Ohio State. He'll never he'll never <laughs> close to this dude. Show up for a Zoom call. He'd be like, "Nope, forget it. No, not, not going to do that." At least and- I'm wearing pants. Beyond Artless is sponsored by Beyond the Notes Music Festival. Our mission is to create and provide profound learning and social experiences through music that go beyond the notes. Visit btnmusicfestival.com to learn more. Artless. What? Artless. Beyond Artless. Artless.